Well, it feels good to be back on a Thursday evening. I've taken a couple weeks off, and I hope uh, TK will excuse me, but I had to go see the, the, the Rolling Stones. It was it was an awesome time. Went to Charlotte. Uh, Mick Jagger still got it. It was kind of it was a, it was a great opportunity, and uh, I really enjoyed it. But, uh, but we're back doing the show. Have an outstanding guest today. Uh, welcome, Mayor Bill Sappho. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Justin. You know, I've been doing this show for, I guess, a little bit over a year. And typically what I do is I bring on um, business people in the community or mainly lawyers. And we talk about legal topics or, or uh, um, business trends in the community or specific areas of business. Usually it's got some kind of a, a real estate or something like that involved. And uh, I was thinking about, you know, with it being election season, um, it'd be nice to, to have, you know, we've had Luke Waddell in. He talked a little bit about some of the local issues. But it kind of dawned on me today when I was getting ready for the show that I've never voted in a in a municipal election, you know, probably ever in my life. I mean, I'm probably you know middle aged guy. Um, I've, I vote typically most presidential elections. I'll vote. I'll vote in most. Um, no, I say most. Rarely I'll vote in midterm elections, but, mm-hmm. I, but I have done that from time to time, but never done it. And I think one of the reasons, and, and I think there's a lot of people like me, I, I really don't know what's going on, you know, as far as what are the what are the local issues and mm-hmm. where do people stack on what side of the issue? You know, what's going on? Yeah. I feel like I'd just be kind of guessing for the most part. Yeah. And there's certain people that have name recognition. I mean, you know, you obviously do in the Wilmington area. I mean, you, sure. you've been a mayor. How, how long have you been the mayor here? I've been a mayor since 2006, July of 2006. So that's, that is when I started working in Wilmington yeah. was the summer of 2006 is when I got an internship down here and came full time in 2007. But yeah, I've just, I've always known you as the mayor. Like sure. I guess you have been the entire time <laughs> I've, I've been down here, but you know, as far as city council people, I really don't know what's what as far as what they, where they stack out on the mm-hmm. issues. And I don't really, you know, sometimes you don't even know what the issues are. Sure. And so I was hoping that, that we could kind of spend the show today talking about what's going on in Wilmington right now, talking about the kind of the challenges you see, um, some of the, the issues that are that are coming up this year and kind of a, a uh, maybe a comparison between, between yourself and, uh, and, and the other candidate who I understand um, – Harper Peterson had been a had was a former mayor mm-hmm. in Wilmington before, so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what I was hoping we could do today. Sure, if, if that lo- lo- love to talk about the uh, the initiatives of the city, um, what I see happening in the future, what we've done in the past, and um, and, and I always, you know, I had this conversation a, a couple of days ago with a with a constituent about um, uh, municipal elections. They are usually the lowest turnout elections. And I always tell people that those, the, the, the local politics or the people that are representing you at the local level are probably have greater impact on your daily life than any other elected body. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine. But, you know, when you're watching Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all the major channels in this country, you know, they focus mostly on national politics and what's happening at the national level. And obviously we should keep our eye on what's happening in nationally, but we also should take a look and see what's happening at the state as well as your local um, municipality and county commissioner races, because I think it's important. And that, that'll kind of give you the direction of where the community is going, how they're going to deal with the future. Uh, you know, what are the trends that we are seeing as, as, a, as elected bodies? And, you know, how do we work together uh, to accomplish a lot of the initiatives and the goals of the city? I agree completely because, you know, and, and it, there is coverage of national politics pretty mm-hmm. much ad nauseum. I mean, 24-7, you can get, you can find some kind of, of, uh, of people talking about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, what does it really affect? You know, maybe your, your taxes, a couple percentages one way or the other. Um, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, some some benefits are affected, things of that nature. But but I, th- I think you're 100% correct that, that really, if you're talking about what affects um, the majority of the people on the day-to-day level, it, it is kind of the local decisions that mm-hmm. are made. And I think sometimes it's harder for kind of the general public to really know what's going on in a municipal election because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the lines are a little bit more bl- blurred. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I, it's my understanding that, you know, that, that Harper Peterson's a Democrat and that you're a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So it's – it. You know, typically in your presidential elections, you have, you know, it's pretty it's pretty clear. Like, you know, one person, you know, you've got the one side's got their team and the other's got theirs. And they they typically have kind of a, a consistent, 
you know, sometimes, I mean, there's variation between it, but they typically have their, their agenda or their platform. Sure. But, you know, in the local level, it's a little bit different. Sure. Well, in the state of North Carolina, most municipal elections are nonpartisan. So whether you run as a Democrat or Republican, it makes no difference. It's it's nonpartisan election. And, and 50% of a city's budget, and I would say this is probably uh, common with all cities throughout the, you know, throughout the state, uh, is public safety. Fire and police take up 50% of your budget. And there's not a Republican way or Democratic way to take care of your police and your fire. Everybody's going to support those folks because they do the hard lifting every day to protect us and take care of us. Then the other part gets into, you know, you know, taking care of your streets, your sidewalks, your parks, your planning processes, and, and stuff, the, the, the day-to-day things that we do as a city to make things happen and work. There's a lot of collaboration at the local level um, because we have to work together. There's, you know, and, and my my main focus has always been as even when I was elected way back in 2003 to be on the city council was my goal was to be a consensus builder. I have to work with people to get things done. I have to work at the federal level. I have to work at the state level and I have to work at the local level. And you've got to build the relationships. And I've been very fortunate. I have been able to build um, a lot of good relationships with Republicans and Democrats, conservatives, liberals, you name it, I have to do it. And it's, and sometimes it's, it, you know, people say, isn't that hard to do? I says, no, not really. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to see your community do good and prosper and be a great place for us to live. And you have to work together at the local level. You're almost forced to, but more importantly, you have to if you want to get anything done. And I haven't been, you know, we might have opposing political views on certain things. I never take them personally because, you know, your belief system is what you believe in, and, and, and I respect that, and, and I hope you would do the same with me. Where I try to do is try to find the goals that we're both trying to, to achieve and try to mend those goals. I work with Republicans on the city council as well as Democrats, and what I try to do after, after, after every election cycle, because there's six other members that sit on the city council, their vote is as important as mine, we all have one vote, is to find what their goals and objectives are as council members, because they're also elected by the body politic, and then trying to formulate a public policy that we can all, you know, get around, and then start focusing on getting those goals uh, achieved and, and done. Um, and we usually have a good, you know, a good understanding, a good working relationship. Obviously, we're going to have debate. Obviously, we're going to have misunderstanding. Everybody does. I mean, families do, uh, you know, husbands and wives do. City councils do. But I think that when you're having that kind of debate with seven additional, you know, six other people talking about different issues, I think you come out with a much better process because that means everybody's thinking. And everybody sometimes looks at it from a different angle. Um, And I think at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is trying to create a public policy that is fair and that is objective and that achieves the goals of the community. A lot of times I've done some some municipal work kind of representing some of the smaller municipalities and, and some of the counties and in, in this state. And what I've found from the political end was a lot of times the coalitions tend to form around s- certain issues, you know, in a, in a smaller uh, area, it can be, you know, something like a sewer system mm-hmm. or bee tree nourishment has been an issue that's, mm-hmm. that's um, divided some communities politically. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of thinking about it in Wilmington and at least I haven't become aware of kind of the issues where you've got uh, kind of a division where certain segments really, feel strongly from from opposing standpoints and maybe I'm just not paying close enough attention well you you, you have you have you know you, you're gonna have advocacy groups you have um, political activists you have folks that you know focus on you know usually on some on one issue possibly that that are very um, passionate about their position it could be about affordable housing it can be about homelessness it could be about police reform. It could be about infrastructure. It just varies. Uh, it could be about the environment. It could be about jobs and in, in the economy. Um, so it varies from group to group. What you try to do is try to f- find out what their particular issue is, and you try to formulate that within the public policy that you're trying to think. Remember, the city of Wilmington, out of all of the, all of, out of all of the governments that I just told you about, the federal, state, and the local governments, has got a believe it or not, a fairly small budget of $242 million. The county's about a half a billion. The state's billions of dollars. And, of course, the federal government's in the trillions. So, we, we, you know, we, we, we have to be fiscally conservative with the taxpayers' money. And, and my job as the mayor is to make certain that if we are spending taxpayers' dollars, how we spend it is that it be effective, that it have some impact in what we're trying to do. And we try to leverage it through public-private partnerships in a lot of ways, whether we're working with nonprofit organizations or we're working with for-profit organizations that are here to create jobs, build infrastructure, 
um, build uh, affordable housing and stuff of that nature. So my job is to try to leverage that money the best way we can to get the biggest bang for the buck because we're, we're working with the taxpayers' money. It's their money. Well, we just happen to be the stewards of it. I've balanced every budget I've ever been, um, uh, I've, I've ever done. Uh, we also have a AAA bond rating, and we have a significant amount of money in our savings account because we have to deal with hurricanes down in southeastern North Carolina uh, more often than, than not in, in the last couple of years. But, you know, I think that we're fiscally very conservative. I think that we're, we're in very good financial shape as a, as a community and as a city. And, yes, we have our challenges, um, we have one of the highest or the fastest growing uh, regions in the air in the, in the state. Um, the demographers of the state. We just finished with our census in 2020. The demographers of the state of North Carolina are telling us that within the next 10 years, an additional one million people will move into the state of North Carolina, just like they did the last decade. The four areas of the of the state that have been identified that will have the highest growth rate are Asheville, and in Buncombe County, Mecklenburg, Charlotte. Wake, Raleigh, and Wilmington, Brunswick, and Pender counties, and you can see that in the reflection of the of the census numbers. Uh, Brunswick County, which is of course on the west bank of the of the Cape Fear River, grew at thirty five percent, one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing county in the entire state. Pender County grew at twenty five percent. I think they're about the fifth fastest growing county. So we're kind of sandwiched in between. New Hanover County grew at fifteen percent. And believe it or not, the city of Wilmington grew at less than 1%. But the perception is because of the growth in the surrounding areas, we're feeling those impacts every day by people that are driving into the city and into the county for a lot of the times for their jobs because the biggest job creators are within the incorporated city limits of Wilmington. So everybody feels that and, and understandably. But the reality and the fact is that we're growing at less than 1%. And in the city's, in city's history in the last 10 years, we grew at about one and a quarter percent a year. We had one year in 2016 when we grew at about 3%. But for overall, we've been growing at about 1.25 a year. And didn't, from what I recall from the latest census numbers, I thought I remembered that the New Hanover County grew as a whole, but that it went from maybe the ninth biggest county to 11th. I might not be exactly right about that, but I yeah. thought it, it went a little bit down as far as the growth compared to some of the other areas, but it was still growing. Still growing, but it, had, it, it, it did lose some of its steam. And, and that's primarily because of land availability or the people that do own the land maybe are not selling the land. So a lot of the growth that we have seen has been happening in Brunswick and in Pender County. Brunswick County actually is growing on two ends. It's growing on the southern end in Calabash and Carolina Shores, but it's also growing here on the north end in Leland area in Belleville uh, and Navassa. Uh, and then there's a there's a there's a middle portion there between supply and and um, Southport that's also growing, but but for overall it's the it's one of the fastest growing counties in the state of North Carolina, and we're kind of sandwiched on either side of Pender and Brunswick. So you're seeing a lot of growth, and you but you're seeing a lot of people that are moving into the area that are choosing to move there because of the land availability and because of affordability in many cases. Yeah, we've had a lot of times I've had realtors come onto the show, and one of the things, one of the kind of the, the common topics is the state of the real estate market. Mm -hmm. and kind of the work we're experiencing growth and and home values and commercial properties as well. And one of the things that that they consistently and by that I'm talking about the realtors consistently attribute it to is kind of an influx from outside of the area mm -hmm. of people, maybe be it from work from home or be. Um, you know, a myriad of reasons. Some of retirement, some of it's second homes, but a lot of people are coming in from outside of the area. Mm -hmm. um, I guess taking advantage of what was historically mm -hmm. uh, low-priced property compared to some of the, the neighboring areas, mm -hmm. and that that's kind of driven some of it. Well, it was interesting. Uh, several, I'm, I'm going, probably going back now about seven years ago. The, the, the Chamber of Commerce did a study to determine where the people were coming from. Obviously, <laughs> we all wanted to know that same, the answer to that same question. Yes, there's a lot of people that are moving here from the Northeast. There's no doubt. New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, a lot of high-tax states, are a lot of people moving down here. You know, obviously, the, the weather also, also does have some effect. But surprisingly, the number one state in the country that sent us the most people was the state of North Carolina. You know, in-state migration to the coast. And the number one area that sent us the most people, believe it or not, was Wake County, Raleigh. And we're 120 miles from Raleigh, you know, in the Raleigh area. So a lot of people from that area have chosen either to retire down here or to 
maybe be able to commute and do their jobs from here. And they're just coming down here, believe it or not, for a smaller community. Yeah. Raleigh, of course, has become a, a pretty good-sized community. I believe it. I, I, you know, I, I took I-40 East back from the Rolling Stones concert last last mm. week, and yeah. I, was, I went through it for a little bit. Or I was, I was on that road on the yeah. way back for a little bit. And, yeah, there was certainly – it was just packed on a Friday yeah. Yeah. of uh, people coming in from, from the, the yeah. middle and western part of the state. That's, yeah. that's, that's definitely for sure. Well, that brings up kind of concern, and it was – so. I, I did something kind of similar with Luke Waddell when we were talking about some of the local issues, but but didn't really get um, into as much as I would like because we spent some time talking about his um, his experience in, in the real estate business. Um, but it's one of the issues he raised that I thought was really important is work, workforce housing. And, you know, you kind of brought up some of the influx we have. Sometimes it's from Raleigh. Sometimes it's from our neighboring state. Sometimes it's from the north. But sometimes you'll see people come into the community and then they kind of have they have a tendency to want to roll up the ladder on everybody else, you know, so to speak. Like you know, you get your your beach property and sure. then, then keep everybody off the beach. Yeah, sure. Nobody wants to be crowded out. Sure. But one of the things that that he was saying is that we were having difficulty staffing our police force and our and our fire departments and things of that nature um, because of the cost of living in, in this area compared to the salaries that that, that those folks are making. Yeah, we, we're going to probably have to do a, a, some sort of an assessment of the salary positions for our police and fire. I think our, our starting uh, position now is somewhere about uh, in the 38,000 is, is starting position. We need to try to get those numbers up into the 40s because of the fact is that we're losing police officers um, and fire personnel to other communities that are paying a higher rate, and we have to make the adjustments. And we do, and we do a, we do a, a salary assessment about every two to three years just to see where we are in that food chain to make certain that we're not training these people and giving them the best training possible and then we're losing to smaller little municipalities around our area that are paying either equal wages or even a little bit more than we are. So, yes, we're going to have to look at that. And, yes, uh, since this is the second smallest county geographically in the state, New Hanover County is, and because the land availability is, is shrinking and because, you know, it's a supply and demand issue, we have a lot more demand than we have supply. Um, and most of the stuff that you will see being built in the city of Wilmington in the next forever is going to probably be a lot more infield development where you'll see old stuff that will be taken down, especially big box stores like the Kmart site and redeveloped. Um, but we are starting to see the effects of more of a regional or regionalism in our community like they saw in Raleigh probably 20, 30 years ago when you start seeing the small little communities around Raleigh like Wake, uh, like um, like. Um, Knightsdale and Cary and uh, the little towns and hamlets uh, Gardner that started to grow because Raleigh started growing. They started running out of land, so people started moving further and further out. As more and more people migrate to the coast and are coming down to a community that has job opportunities, because you got to have a job, and there has been 30,000 jobs created in the last 10 years. Uh, primarily, most of those are in the city of Wilmington, but you know that's all of New Hanover County. You know, those people have got to have a place to live. Um, they're either going to get an apartment or they're going to get a house. And if they're not going to get a house here, they're going to get a house either in Brunswick or in Pender or maybe sometimes a little bit further out. But, you know, we're starting to experience that here in, in Wilmington. And that's why it's also important to build those relationships with our, with our uh, fellow elected leaders in Brunswick County and in Pender County because we're going to be dealing with a lot of the same issues. Transportation is a big one. How, you know, how are we going to transverse the, 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 the Cape Fear Memorial and, and all these people that come into the community every single day? We've got to be able to work together to figure out, um, you know, solutions to very complex problems. But that is, that is, you know, we're definitely experiencing that and seeing that as a community and as a city. Yeah, it's certainly, and there's, there's no, you know, one way to go about dealing with mm -hmm. it. But I think in, in, in some ways, it's a, it's a good problem to have. That Very good problem to have. I would rather have that problem than a dying city where people are moving out of it because the tax base is shrinking. People are moving. There's no opportunity there. They have an aging infrastructure, and you see a lot of that. Some of the rest belt states, but you're also seeing that in some of the communities. <clears throat> that are here in the state of North Carolina where they've lost the textile industry, they've lost the furniture industry, the tobacco industry has really kind of gone away too, so in a lot of ways. So a lot of those communities are struggling to, to, to find their place to say, how can we attract people back into our community? And it's a very tough thing to do. And the state of North Carolina overall is urbanizing. More people are moving from the rural areas into the cities because that's where the job creation is and will continue to be for the foreseeable future. It's very true. We're going to take our first break of the evening and we'll come back plenty more with Mayor Bill Sappho. Thank you.
All right, back with Mayor Bill Sappho, and want to spend some time in this segment talking about some of the recent successes of the town of Wilmington, or the city of Wilmington. Um, you know, one of the most recent being, but I think it's had a, a big impact for our community, is the Riverfront Park. Phenomenal park, and um, I'm very proud of that park, but I'm proud that the citizens went to the polls in 2016 and voted to support that park initiative. And when we um, bought the property and we got the bond passed, our first goal was to get out around the country to find the best urban parks in the country and to find the best designers of those parks and then initiate a significant public outreach to the community to see what they wanted in the park. And this is what they wanted. They wanted to, for it to be used as a park first and foremost, but they also wanted to have the use of it as, for, as an amphitheater. Uh, on some nights, and uh, we've had roaring success, obviously, with the concerts that have taken place there. Over 7,200 people that go out to the park uh, on a sellout night, and most of them have been sellouts. And the impacts that they've had, not only in the city of Wilmington, but also in the surrounding areas, because for widespread panic, the first opening night, I think they played three separate nights, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. Uh, and a lot of those people that travel and follow the, this band, you know, were you know, booking rooms in Leland, at Riceville Beach, Carolina Beach, Curie Beach, City of Wilmington. It was just great to see. And then, you know, coming down here after the concert's over to see all the people, in, you know, downtown, you know, you know, you know, really going out here and, and um, going to all of our patrons and just, you know, going out and eating and having a good time. And even before the concert starts, the amount of people in, uh, that go out to the to the little bars there, and let's say tailgate before they get to the to the oh, um, uh, Sure, the I know a lot, a lot of the bars here were reporting record sales, yeah. and it, it's really helped them from the kind of the, the before and after the concerts. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you mentioned the, the success of the election. So I was I came out on the wrong end of election. I really wanted the baseball stadium. <laughs> and so, like, I still, what? you know, like, I, and, and I remember there was just, there was so much backlash about that. And I was yeah. saying, what's not to like? It's a, yeah. it's a, a Atlanta Braves uh, franchise. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, Kansas City Royals and I uh, like the, the Washington Nationals but I mean the Braves they're yeah. always on TV yeah. it's like that had been fantastic and I didn't understand why were people so upset about this but well it was it was a weird time it was you know right about 2008 9 10 I think is when that about when it, that thing came out and we just you know I, I think when it came out people were really kind of stressed with the economy what was happening with the financial meltdown and they just the other side really uh, painted a, a much um, better picture politically to, to kill it, and they did it. But look, in the aftermath of that, we still felt that that was a very important piece of property for us to be able to obtain. Is that the same property? Same where the- property where the baseball stadium was going to go. We ended up purchasing it anyway from a real estate perspective. I think we paid a half a million an acre for it. Today, that same piece of property would probably go for about $4 million an acre. Oh, so yeah. from a real estate deal, let's just say it was a great buy. But more importantly, what's you know, what it has ended up there is phenomenal, and I think we should all be proud of that. Baseball, I think, will eventually come to Wilmington at some point in time. I think, you know, a lot of people would like to see it. Baseball would love to be here. We did a marketing study on it. Baseball would definitely make it here in southeastern North Carolina. That would have been an iconic place to put it. But look, there's other places, the other locales that we may be able to put it. And maybe what some of the other counties, maybe even Brunswick or New Hampshire or Pender, would do it maybe in the future. But I, I think that it does have a future here in southeastern North Carolina. Well, you look at what it's done for Durham. Sure. You know, because I, I lived in the Raleigh-Durham uh, area in the, the, the early 80s, and or mid, mid, later 80s, I guess, not the early 80s. But, yeah. you know, that Durham wasn't the nicest place to be during that time. Yeah. And that city's really kind of – it's not just the baseball stadium, but the new stadium – a lot's really grown around it, and yeah. it's certainly the Bulls have gone from being a one A team to a three A team, oh, yeah. and it's it's a big draw. They do ACC tournaments over there. You know, they've got a lot going on. First class. So when when you say with the I guess the Live Oak Bank Pavilion, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a par- so it's a park and a venue. People can just go down there. Mm-hmm. When it's open concert. twenty four hours a day, except on doing concert mode. We have and that's an open park. It's got a great lawn. You want to go out there and throw a frisbee. Go out there and have a picnic. We've got you know places for the kids to play. We're having these beautiful gardens. We're about to build a garden on the west side, which is going to be sponsored by the Port Authority, which is more n- natural in, in its state. Uh, we had the Cape Fear Garden Club, who uh, made a pretty significant donation in doing a real nice garden on the on the east side of it. Uh, it's just a great place for people to go to get outdoors and have a good time. And so w- the only time that it's you, you can't get into the main part of the park is when we have a concert. And they, of course, do the sound checks and all that. But overall, it's always open to the public. 
So I've been to the the venue a few times. Mm-hmm. I went to the widespread concert. I went to Miranda Lambert, and then went to the Trey Anastasio mm-hmm. concert that was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, each time has been a good experience. Um, the widespread Miranda Lambert were were larger crowds, mm-hmm. and it appeared that it was difficult getting in and out. Mm-hmm. I guess would be the way to put it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fences up right now. I didn't know if there's further construction that's going to go on out there to, to maybe get more um, more access points, mm-hmm. or so it's not just a, a big bottleneck right at right. Yeah, there's one other access that will be onto the Riverwalk that will go on with the West Garden. It is a much more confined park than a lot of the other parks that you may go to, um, you know, and that's the uniqueness of it. But it's also one of the, the the difficulties of that park. The ingress and egress is a little bit it's 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 a little bit more challenging. Now, to Live Nation's credit, they put more people there, more security. They try to get people through that process much quicker. And it's just like any other venue, and it, it, it it's got bugs. It will work out. I think, you know, as we find them, as we identify them, as people tell us about them. You know, they're on top of the first class organization, but just like anything else, there'll be things that we have to work out. And obviously, we like to get people in and out of there quicker. Uh, I remember at the widespread panic show because I was there, I wanted to see what the first show would be like and how it would be impacted. Um, they pretty much got everybody out of the park from what I could gather based on the my, you know timing it was about 23 minutes to get all 7200 people it seemed like 7200 people were there yeah. to the very end but it took 23 minutes to get everybody out of that park getting into the park because they have to do a little bit more they have to do searches and stuff like that and make sure people go through a metal detector just to make sure everybody's safe it takes a little bit longer so um, I try to get, tell people you know have patience when you come in there because right now we're taking them in through one area right there off of Nut Street. Uh, there's another area um, a little bit further north, but that area, because of its confines with the um, cul-de-sac and everything, is more of a drop-off point than it is a, a gotcha. point you can access. And, and I just wasn't sure, because it, it looked like there was more work to be done out there with the, the, a lot of the fencing <coughs> that was up, and I, just, yeah. I didn't know if there was going to be... If there oh, were... yeah. The, the, actually, it's, there's a construction going on either side of it. There's 200-some units of, of, of apartments that are being built on, on as you're going in Nut Street on the left-hand side next to the Marina Grove, at the Marina Grove's parking lot was, and then putting a parking deck on the right, right-hand side. So you, you got construction that's ongoing down yeah. there too on top of all that but overall the park has been a tremendous success for the community and I, I, we've seen nothing but rave reviews on it but are there kinks to be worked out in it yes there are and we'll get to them as quickly as we as we identify them and live nation is a first class organization and they do their best to try to accommodate how's that structure with, with live nation so i guess are they kind of in charge of running the day-to-day operations of the venue when it's when it's we have, we have park people down there that actually take care of the park for us. They take care of the venue per se. They've also made a significant investment as a, as a private company of $4 million into the park. Uh, the city has contracted out with them a certain number of dates. I believe it's 20 dates a year. They take care of all those dates. They also, the city of Wilmington obtains $2 a ticket. Uh, for every ticket that is sold there. So we also generate revenue for programming and what have you. And then we rent the park out to Live Nation for those 20 days at $250,000 a year. They pay us rent. So that helps us to offset programming at other parks in the area that we use that money for. Uh, And then obviously to also maintain the park at at a quality that people expect. One of the other... uh Recent successes for the city of Wilmington has been the the volume of, of film oh my the, the activity that's happened this year, and you know a lot of times you you hear kind of on the state level there'll be a, a debate every so often where should we offer film incentives, um, you know what should does the film industry deserve tax credits or whatever it may be what. What can you do? What can be done at the city level to, to make Wilmington an attractive place for the film industry? Well, I, I think we work very well with the film companies and the production companies to make sure that wherever they're filming, that we give notice to the community, let them know about that we have a process that you go through. Um, you know, these folks come out there, and of course, they'll inundate the community with their trucks and what have you, and their lights, and they're usually up if you know one night or a day, or maybe sometimes two or three days. But we have a very good working relationship with the production companies, and have for a number of years. You know, this is one of those classic examples of Republican and Democrats. When the Democrats had the uh, control of the, of the state legislature, 210 and priory was a film credit. Um, the film companies got 25% back based on the amount of money that was invested in the state of North Carolina. When the Republicans took it over, they did away with the film credit. And of course, it, it kind of hurt the film industry to begin with. But we worked with the Republican legislature and came up with the film grant, which is a little bit different. They set a bar as to how much money is going to be spent in the state. 
It went from a credit to a grant, and this year will be the biggest year in film's history. We've already spent $450 million, the film production companies in the state. Majority of that has been in the city of Wilmington. And we feel about before the end of the year, we'll have about $750 million spent in the state. The great thing about that, so everybody will know, is we don't give that money to the production companies up front, whatever the grant, it's about 20, 25% grant um, rebate. You have to spend that in the state of North Carolina. It has to be audited by the state auditor. And then if you meet those qualifications, then you get your money back at the end of the film. So a film that may have filmed in Wilmington this year may get their rebate sometime next year. So it's a great incentive. You put your money in, you you produce the jobs, you, you create the volume of business that we want as a state, you get the grant money. And so, uh, and that's surprised. I wasn't aware of that. I, mm-hmm. I thought that there must have been some kind of change mm-hmm. um, to because I, I remember when it went from the, the credit, and I didn't realize it was a grant system. But I remember there was some kind of change, and then we had kind of a downswing in film activity yeah. here. And I think that kind of poses what we do at the local level, and that's why I have to build good relationships in, in Raleigh, whether it be Republicans or Democrats, no matter what party it is. My job as the mayor is to try to work for the citizens of this community and to try to bring business in here. I don't care who I'm working with, but I've got to be able, be able to build those relationships and not you know, assault somebody for one particular reason or another and they get upset about something. That's my job. And so I was able to work with Democrats when they were in, in power, and, I was, and I'm able to work with Republicans when they're in power. And I love everybody, as they yeah. say. But, but my job is to try to create the job here in Wilmington, keep the film industry alive in our local community. And it's been one of the hallmarks of Wilmington. It's a clean industry. It's a good industry. People love the film business. Hey, and they spend a tremendous volume of money in our local economy. Because when a film production is coming here and they're spending $10 million or $20 million or $30 million or like Iron Man, $100 million, they're spending it locally to buy a lot of their goods and services right here in our community and employ people here. We employ probably over 1,000 people a day right now with the amount of productions that are happening in the community. 1,000 people a day are working in the film industry locally you know people get sometimes people get they think it's all about the actors and the directors and it's not it's about the film workers and and when you go out there and you see all these crews putting these things together and you see the carpenters the electricians the plumbers the truckers the, the people that are bringing in the fuel uh the makeup everybody everybody's got a job it, it creates a tremendous volume of of jobs for our community we lost a lot of those jobs to georgia when the when the credit went away but we've gained a lot of them back and we need more film workers right now so that's going to be another a training program for film workers in the future to help, you know, train the the, the, the 21st century film worker uh, in the future. Is that something where you kind of can have a, a conversation with maybe Cape Fear Community College or some of some of the local educational institutions mm-hmm. about this is a this is a need our community has and and absolutely and that's what we would do. We would go to like Step Up Wilmington, which is a, which is a job training center. The, the community college will work with the production companies or will work with the union, the arts, a union that does a lot of the the, the work. The, the Teamsters Union that's out there because people say I thought you were a right to work state. A lot of these union contracts are are signed in in Los Angeles with the production companies that only will have or hire some union workers or majority of the people that work on these on these productions are union workers under a particular flag, whatever it is. But you know, it's it, it's been a good. It's been a great thing for our community and our city, and we should be proud of that. We're, we're known in the, in the state of North Carolina as, as the film capital of North yep. Carolina, and that's a great thing to have. Yeah, and I know there were some going on in Nashville as well, but certainly this has been where the yeah. majority of the filming's taken yeah. place. Do you think that, that we're starting to get some of the, the projects that were going to Atlanta uh, is a backlash to some of the, the voting legislation that they that, – that some, I mean, you know, obviously we got hit hard with HB2, but yeah, we've got, we're getting some of that. But more importantly, well, we're getting so much business and why there's so much business out there right now is with, with the COVID pandemic, more people are staying home. So they need a lot more content, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Disney, uh, Fox, all of these companies are looking for content to produce because the thirst for content is great. And that's why you're seeing this huge uptick in in productions, not only here, but probably in Georgia, probably in California. But it's a great thing for us to have. Yeah. Um, one of the other challenges, I guess, with us being a coastal community is, is protecting the environment. Mm-hmm. And so what, what type of measures ha- can be accomplished at the city level 
Well, one of the things that, you know, we just passed the land development code. The last time the land development code, which is the code, the ordinances, the laws as to how do you, how do, you do development in the, in the city, the last time it was done was about 1982, almost 40 years ago. So it, was, it needed to be updated. We've been working on this thing for four years with a lot of public input as to what the public wanted. And what the public was clear about was this. They wanted more walkability in their in their community they wanted more protection of the environment especially the trees they wanted more services closer to where they they live and they wanted less driving town to less driving time for those services so you know when i grew up here in the 60s and 70s there may have been 70,000 people in the entire county now there's 234,000 which I, which is a lot more it's a lot crowded place today you know, a lot more people here well, in, in the old days, you used to build your subdivisions here, and about five miles away or three miles away, you would build your services, your, your shopping centers, what have you. Well, you go back and forth, that's about a six-mile run. Well, with the, with the amount of people that, are, that come into the city every day and the county every day, and the amount of people that are here, the service delivery needs to be closer to where people live, and that's one of the aspects of it. The other thing is, that, you know, in the city, we have, we've always had ordinances to put in sidewalks. Some of the annexed areas did not have sidewalks. So making certain that we put in sidewalks, walking trails is also very important. A lot of people say, hey, I just want to ride my bike to and from here. So that's well, that, been a good thing. I remember there's the project where there was supposed to be the, the biking trail to where you could connect, that was supposed to connect the entire city or where you could bike the, through. The, the Cross City Trail, we did the, the, the first part of the trail was 15 miles long and then we put out a transportation bond in 2014 of 55 million of which 20 million was trail system so we've got a significant trail that will connect greenville loop road to to the to the sea to to, uh, to the river to the sea bike trail which is there in seagate that that will complete the entire trail system but what people sometimes you know it's hard to explain sometimes but there are regulations that we have to follow just like an individual citizen and one of those regulations is stormwater so when we're putting a trail asphalt sidewalk whatever it is we have to demonstrate to the state of north carolina that we are capturing all of that water that comes off of that impervious surface somewhere and capture it to make certain that we're not just putting it into our estuaries and waterways but we treat it so it, it, it's a little bit more of a complex situation because we have to get permits and sometimes we also have to obtain property from property owners and that's a process in itself where i may come along and say we're taking this trail right in front of your property we want to be able to buy 10 feet of your property and you know and we have to so, negotiate yeah, with, the, with people like that you know from time to time but it's going to be a magnificent trail when finished i think it'll probably be about almost 30 miles long. So you'll be able to go from Riceville Beach all the way through the city of Wilmington uh, to downtown and around even to the southern part of, of, of the uh, city uh, down toward River Light. So it's, it's, it's going to be a magnificent tr trail when completed, and it's something that I'm very proud of. And, you know, it was kind of one of those weird situations where the, the guy that we named after, Gary Shell, who's since passed, who was the head of the Parks Department, came to me with the idea of this trail it was his idea uh, with his staff and i kind of said man that's a crazy <laughs> far out idea i says that'll be years in the making before we can get that to happen but we were at the right place at the right time i think there was a stimulus bill in 2008-9 after the great recession you had to have a shovel ready project we had a shovel ready project we had to negotiate with some major property owners and the university and we got it done and that was kind of uh as i say sometimes the stars aligned and we were at the right place at the right time sure you know i, I know kind of i was telling you i watch a bunch of national news uh, about politics and probably too much and you know one of the things that looks like might be happening is the you know maybe one two three trillion dollar stimulus mm -hmm. is there anything being done at the wilmington level kind of saying we gotta we gotta figure out what to do with them if we get a chance to get in get some money what are we gonna do with it we're gonna be just like everybody else yeah. fighting for our share and, and as this area is growing and as this region is growing we need transportation projects desperately and we also need to um you know i was talk talking to you about beach renourishment the federal government right now has walked away from beach renourishment uh, and, and we have got – we're scrambling as a local community as well as the state to try to find ways to be able to put sand on those beaches because not only is it important for tourism, but it's also important that it's a protective barrier for storm events also, and it, and it limits the amount of damage that we see on the coast. Now, now, when you talk about – is that an example of you working with Carolina Beach, Curry Beach, Wrightsville Beach? Because I, I would just think, based on my understanding of Wilmington, I don't think – we wouldn't have any beach area, right? Well, it's interesting, and, and, and you know, sometimes that – People, you're right. People don't look at it that we have a beach because we don't have a beach. We have a river that we have to yep. contend with. But where we 
play a, a significant role in beach renourishment. Every hotel that's in the city of Wilmington that collects what they call room occupancy tax. So when you check into a hotel, let's just say it's $100, $6 out of that $100 goes toward beach renourishment and tourism-related issues. So so what we do with that, 50% of the beach renourishment money that is that is um, created is created within the city of Wilmington, and those go to the beach communities to help them with beach renourishment because we also know that a lot of tourists come down to our community. Those tourists spend tax dollars, sales tax revenue in our community, and we use that sales tax revenue to offset service delivery so we don't have to raise taxes, which is a big thing. Sure. Um, and we have, a, I think, a fairly low tax rate uh, for, for our community, and it's one of our attractions as a community. We don't have a very high tax rate, but people are concerned about taxes. So one way to offset having to raise taxes is to find ways to raise revenue, either through tax base or through sales tax revenue. And that's one of the things that has been not, not only a blessing to, new, to the city of Wilmington, but also to New Hanover County and to the three beach communities of Riceville, Carolina, and Curie. Is that a situation where kind of you're getting involved on a lobbying end? We have to work. We have to work very closely with our federal delegation, with uh, Congressman Rouser, and as well as Senator Tillis and Senator Burr on on, on that particular issue, because they they're champions for beach nourishment. Also, they're they're working as. They're working, you know, when they're talking to a, a House representative from Nebraska, Oklahoma, or Tennessee that yeah. says, I need beach renourishment money. They says, why should I vote for beach renourishment money when I don't have a beach in Tennessee or Nebraska, Oklahoma? Good question, right? Yeah. But they have they have issues and things in Oklahoma, Nebraska, and other parts of yeah. the country that they need. So, you know, that's where the magic and the sausage making is made. What I remember from the beach nourishment, you know, in some of the, the coastal towns I've worked with is that was kind of – Rather than Republican Democrat, it was for against beach renourishment because it's expensive at the local level. I mean, you do get grants from the city or, or from the state and the federal government a lot of times on these, but you know there's a significant local cost too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, what you'd see is maybe your your second and third row uh, homeowners would would be anti beach you know renourishment, but then you get the the, the oceanfront folks were were certainly you know they were they were in favor of beach nourishment. And that that seemed to be a lot of the conflict in uh, in, in those situations. But I mean, ultimately, you're right. It's it's the the beach more beaches is is better. I think you know, so. is it, you, know, you don't want there to be less of it, and you know it might be the short term benefit of your second second row in Riviera. It'll it'll wipe out this house in front of me, but it won't be too long before it gets you too. It'll take the whole thing out, and I, and I've and I've and I've seen uh, when you don't have beach nourishment, and or it takes a while before you get that beach nourishment a dollar, and what it does to the beaches, and and yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty damning. But we, but we've always protected our our coast and our and our beaches, and we need to continue to do so. We're gonna take our last break of the day. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about. The, the election that's coming up. Sure. It's been informative uh, talking with uh, Mayor Bill Sappho today, and I kind of wanted to to finish up where we started, and that was just kind of, from my perspective, kind of wondering, well, if you're not a, if you don't follow city politics a bunch, um, you know, what, what do you need to know, if we're going to do a primer for somebody that's wanting to know, well, what, how should I vote in the election coming up? And I know you would obviously say, well, for, well, for, for, for you. And I mean, yeah, of course. And, and I believe this is, are mayoral elections every two years or four years here? It's, it's a crazy concept in the state of North Carolina. Most elected leaders in, in the state that are mayors are elected every two years. Council members, for some odd reason, are elected and they get a four-year term, but we have to go every two years. So it's it's a tougher it's a tougher thing. You know, I get I have to go before the voters every two years. Now there's no term limits, but I always say a term limit is based on what the voters think of you. I've been elected eight times. Not one as a city council member, seven times as mayor. Um, there are obviously nonpartisan races, but you know, uh, I don't have gerrymandered districts. Yeah. Everybody votes for me at, at you know at large, um, and I think. Or at least what I've hopefully I've demonstrated to the citizens of this community is what I I talk the talk, but I also walk the walk, and I try to I get things done, uh, and I have a good working relationship. As I said, I'm a consensus builder. Uh, you may not always agree with my position, but at least you'll know where I stand on positions. I'm very clear about that. Um, we have a dynamic area and a dynamic community, and, and, and we're able to accomplish a lot of things by working together. We have our differences and we should. That's a that's a that's a um, democratic process and, and and we hear that. But at the end of the day, the citizens expect us to get things done. And I've demonstrated over and over again that I've been able to to, to do that. 
What are the what are kind of some of the the contested issues um, of this? Are there any issues where it's just like you've got a clear position, your opponent has a position, and that that people need to know about it when they're making their decision? Well, you know, obviously growth is always a, a, an issue because people feel it every single day, and people think you arbitrarily can just make growth decisions on your own. We have a process, a significant process, and anybody that's done any kind of, if you built a house or if you even built an addition to your house or if you've done a remodeling job, there's a process that's involved in it. Uh, I hear it from both sides. When people go through the process, they get upset. When people don't go through the process and don't understand, they get upset. Um, but there is a process. I don't arbitrarily make those decisions. There's seven members of the city council, I'm one, but one vote. Uh, the majority of our council are not real estate people. There's a perception that there is. There's only two people on there that have real estate licenses. But m my thing has always been that, you know, you follow the process, you give the people their say, you listen to what people have to say, make adjustments if necessary, but at the end of the day, you've got to make decisions. Um, and as a leader, I hope that I've been able to demonstrate that, plus the fact is I've had to deal with some pretty contentious issues in respect to with the opioid pandemic, which I took a, a significant stand with at the time. Chairman Woody White, the county commission, city council, was one of the first cities in the country to sue the distributors of opioids that we felt had violated the Substance Control Act that now has resulted in probably the largest settlement in American history with the opioid distributors and manufacturers that have admitted that they helped cause this pandemic. Um, I was also the first elected leader that stood up and said, Comores, who's a bad actor, not every company is a bad actor, should be shut down based on what they were doing with Gen X 100 miles up the river, and was very vocal about that, and have worked at the state level and the federal level to talk about safeguards that we can put in to make certain that we don't ever have this happen again. And I've also have had to deal with some pretty significant storm events, uh, Hurricane Florence, which was a big one, um, and, and been able to get the community back on its feet because we had over $30 million in our savings account so we could get the cleanup underway much quicker than a lot of other communities around us. So I've demonstrated even under, under fire that I've been able to do that. And I don't just say I, and I, I don't like to use the word I, it's we. Uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a team at times, and you have to kind of formulate that team and work hard together. You have your differences, as I've said, but you try to bring mesh it together to make certain that you know everybody gets something for the people that we represent, which is all of Wilmington, all of the 123,000 people that we represent. Did the opioid lawsuit, was that one where it was just the city of Wilmington versus Purdue Pharma or whomever, or was this, or did was it part of a larger? There were several There were several cities that had started the process. I'm not going to say we were the first, but we were one of the first that went in this thing. There was a lot of reluctance for some that said we shouldn't be do this. We got in there because we knew that the evidence that we were feeling the brunt of it. We weren't getting help from the state and the federal government yeah. with these people that were getting addicted to these painkillers and then turning around and getting on heroin when they couldn't get the, the pills anymore. We worked with our state legislator putting the stop back, putting a limitation on the amount of um, opioids you could get from a doctor at seven, so they could have to. They would have to go back to the doctor and ask for those. We also created a quick response team to help those folks that have been addicted. Where we've hit them with Narcan to save their lives, going back out there and trying to get them into recovery. Because at the end of the day, the only way you're going to get ahead of this pandemic is to get the recovery. This thing, from what we can gather, has been 15 years in the making that they have admitted to. So it's going to take us a while to get through that. And look, during this pandemic, we're still losing almost 90,000 people a year to opioid abuse. Um, that's not a joke. I mean, so we're is, losing is the case still going on? It, this case is still going on, but we're in the middle of a settlement process right now that every state in the union, according to working with the distributors of the opioids, is that every state in the union is going to be receiving several billion dollars. To, but the, the big caveat here is, in the past when they did the tobacco settlement, all that money went to the state legislature to distribute. And some of it wasn't distributed the way we thought it should be distributed. Our argument as a city, and I went to, to Cleveland with Woody White at the time to argue before the federal court that those monies should come back to the municipalities and to the cities because we were dealing with it. We were feeling the brunt of it. Yeah. We were spending our money. And the federal judge agreed with us. And that's the big difference between the two settlements. This is going to be a significant settlement. Yes, the state will have oversight, but those monies are, are going to be going to the local municipalities and counties that have been dealing with the brunt of this epi yep. uh, opioid epidemic. And it really has been the, the first responders and kind of a lot of the folks you were talking about up, up front. You know, it's your, your EMS, your police, yeah. you know, have been the ones that have really... Yeah. Um, and, I, and, you know, uh, Justin, I've 
come across so many people that have been impacted by this, that have lost loved ones, daughters, sons, grandkids, husbands, wives. It's, 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 it's unbelievable how it's touched all people. Um, and, and the stories that you hear, I mean, the, you know, where people have lost everything and, and, and just devastating to the family because it's not only the person that is dealing with the addiction, it's also the family that is trying to save that person that's also dealing with it. And then the impact it's having locally with for our first responders, our hospital workers, you know, it's, 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 it's tremendous. Um, and so it's been a, it's been a, it's, it, it's been something that I'm very passionate about, and um, I'm glad that we did it, and I'm glad we were one of the first in the countries to move on it. And now every state in the country is part of it. More and more cities have jumped on board because obviously they see the settlement. More and more attorney generals are wanting to get out there and get in front of it. But so we were there, one of the first. Is there any benefit uh, with us being one of the first? Do we get well, a bigger we, we cut? Were, or? We were identified as one of the, 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 the ones in the country that had the highest rate of abuse. So I felt that as a community, we needed to step up and say, if we have the highest rate of abuse, then my God, we need to be out in front of this thing and let's let's get a hold. You know, we convened, I convened the meeting at City Hall with a lot of the local elected leaders in the surrounding counties, all of our law enforcement, our medical community, uh, the people that are dealing coastal horizon, the people that are dealing in, in substance abuse issues, the, the, the people that are handling, the handling with the recovery. And uh, we, we formulated a game plan and we went after it. And I know Judge Corpening's been really active in, sure. in that movement. All the, the, the Fifth Judicial District here has been very active and very very supportive of the initiative, and and uh, we've all worked together. We all have pulled in the same direction, and, and I'm, I'm proud of that. There wasn't anybody that says, "Oh, don't do that." There was some some reluctance, uh, uh, maybe in the beginning, that maybe it was going to be t larger than what we could tackle. But I said, "We've got to make a stand and make a statement on this." So you've you've, you've been reelected seven times in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, what what makes you want to go for the for, for the eighth run at it? Man, this is my hometown. I love this community. I want to see it continue to to move in in, in a good positive direction. Um, when I was growing up here, a lot of the, the people that I went to school with had to leave because there were no opportunities here. There are opportunities here now where people can go off to college or school and come back to this community where you can open up a business or find a job here. Um, it, it, you know, it's always going to be a challenge to run a city. There's nothing, uh, the challenges are, are, are will not stop. They will always be there. But I just love this community and I love what we've been able to do as a community and as a region and I just want to continue to be at the helm and continue to make things happen. Well, I can just speak from, my, I guess, my time in Wilmington's kind of mirrored your um, your run as mayor here and it's just the the growth I've seen just the changes I think have been tremendously positive and you know I just remember living in that that area like the where military cutoff and just mm -hmm. how that whole area has changed just in mm -hmm. the last 14 15 years it's it's been remarkable I mean besides mm -hmm. the the baseball stadium situation, which was disappointing, <laughs> but if like that, I will volunteer. I'll, I'll go. Hey, Justin, there's always an opportunity yeah. for guys like you to, to 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 get get there and get that done with the group. But I think baseball will will come here one day. Well, that's 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 what I want to hear, and that's that's what we need. And I mean, you know, there it, it doesn't have to be the 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 Braves or the Nationals. Uh, you know, we I'd. We could take it, the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, the Royals would be great. You know, I think what the the Tampa Bay Rays or or, uh, or the Bulls team, you know, any, anything would do. But we we, we certainly need no to Yankees or Boston Red Sox. Huh? No, no, I, which that was fantastic the other night though, and, and especially yeah. the game last night. So we yeah. well, we, we got to figure out a way to make that happen. But I'm yeah. sure I'm sure. Well, I was with Trot Nixon. I know Trot is yeah. a local hero, and of course, um, played for Boston and went to his house one day, saw all of his baseball helmets with the pine tar on it. But I love to see that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mayor Safio, Safio, thank you very much for for spending this time with me and uh, and for coming on and talking about uh, some of the recent success in the city. And I wish you the best of luck this November. Thank you, Justin.